Wow, I want to thank you. It makes Palm Sunday very special with the children singing for us. And they're going to be singing. I would have them sing it again. Most of you know that that's my style. Except they're going to be singing it four times already today. Wow. So it's a long day for them, and I appreciate it. And thank you for the parents and the directors and the musicians all helping us to have children with us. Uh, We need that, don't we? Well, uh I'm going to be reading a very traditional passage of scripture for Palm Sunday, the Jesus Triumphant Entry, found in the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter, first 11 verses. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethlehem on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The disciples did as Jesus commanded. And they brought the donkey and the colt to him, threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. The people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. The crowd replied, It's Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now let's bow our heads for a prayer together. Now come to us, O Lord, just as you came to the city of old. And may we receive you. May we praise you, but may we receive you most of all. Because we really need to have you in our lives. We need to have you in our homes. We need to have you in our world. We need to have you in our church. So come and stay with us, Lord. And we welcome you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I've only been to the Holy Land one time. But on that one-time journey, our our group stayed in hotel on the Mount of Olives. In fact, we stayed in the hotel named the Mount of Olives Hotel. It's on the Mount of Olives that the road from Bethphage comes down to Jerusalem. It's the very path that Jesus walked. And uh, we had 
gone down that with the tour group, but Claire and I decided we wanted to walk that path ourselves. That path is still there. The path that Jesus walked on that Palm Sunday day. It's a steep path, narrow, but now it's paved. And we wanted to walk where Jesus walked. So off we went. As we were coming down the steepest part, over to the left, I saw a sign on a a building that said, Don't park here. And I took that to mind because I thought about how the human tendency is that when the going gets tough, the human tendency is to park, to just quit, to just sit back down again. And I'm certain that as Jesus was coming down that path, that there was that humanness in him that made him want to just stop and not go on any further. But Jesus didn't park there. He kept going. Jesus kept going until he finally went down that path and through the Kidron Valley and up through the Golden Gate. And you can see it now, but it's sealed until Christ shall come again. And he triumphantly enters the city as we're so familiar on this Palm Sunday. And Jesus accepts the praises of the people. It's one of the moments that I feel is uncharacteristic of the Jesus I know. To be so public. And uh, to even accept the shallow praises of the crowd. But right on he does. On that Palm Sunday. But he didn't park there. He didn't park there. In fact, he goes into the temple, looks around, turns around, and goes back out and goes back up on the Mount of Olives. And the scriptures tell us that when he goes back, that he has a time of weeping over the city. And I love that picture of the weeping Christ. Weeping over the city that he has loved, that has been the center of Jewish religion. And I want to join him in weeping. Because I believe every thinking person that I know weeps over what's happening still in the world. That is so anti the movement of Jesus. I believe that Jesus still weeps over the city of Nashville, Tennessee. But I believe he still weeps over our nation and our world with all of its anger and hatred and bitterness and wars and rumors of war. I believe he weeps over our homes. I believe he weeps over our community. I believe he weeps over the church. And all that's going on and not going on there. Every thinking person I know weeps over what's happening all around us. Jesus wept over the city. But he didn't stay there. He kept going. 
And what is it that he did next? He goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple. Another moment of, that is so uncharacteristic of the Jesus I know, he's angry. And if that scene doesn't disturb you, I don't know what will. As he drives them, the money changers out of the temple and condemns them for what they're doing to the Father's house. You better be careful what you do to the Father's house. He doesn't like it. And Jesus cleanses the temple. I don't think he throws people out anymore. That's one of the few moments in his life that he threw somebody out. He's always been taking them in. And that disturbs me. It frightens me. It's so uncharacteristic. But I don't think Jesus throws people out anymore in the church. I think he brings them in. The cross is the thing that reminds me that he is he's going to hold us and love us in spite of all the foolish things we do. In spite of our inconsistencies. In spite of our lack of faith and following. So Jesus cleanses the temple in a different way now. But you better be careful what you do to the Father's house. Jesus doesn't stay there. He keeps going. He finds himself in a garden of prayer. And I love the scene of Jesus praying so fervently in the garden. It says he sweat drops of blood. I've never had that fervent style of prayer myself, but wish I did. I don't know anyone whose prayer life doesn't need to be improved upon, and I joined that crowd. Would that I had a greater prayer life. Jesus prays in the garden to show us how important it is to have a prayer relationship with Almighty God. To draw away from the world even for just a few moments. And be still and know that he is God. To confess our sins. Oh Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To seek his direction for our lives. How we need to go to the garden and pray with Jesus. And what is it that he prayed as he was there? A great prayer that we need to add to our own prayer life. Let this cup pass me. But nevertheless, but nevertheless, thy will be done. Would that that would be a fervent part of our prayer life. Jesus prayed in the garden, but he didn't park there. He didn't stay there. He kept going. He goes into the upper room to celebrate uh, the feast of the Passover, the Seder with his, with his followers, his closest friends. 
You sense a love and a warmness in that room as Jesus has that meal with his disciples. But suddenly he takes the cup. And he takes the bread and he breaks it with them for the very first time. A meal that we will celebrate in service today. He says, this this bread is my body. This is my body which is given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Takes the cup and gives it to him and says the same thing. Drink from this, all of you. All of you. All of you drink from this. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. What is it that we're to remember? We're to remember he didn't park there. He kept going. There was the memory of the great act of God in the Seder. The Seder celebrates the greatest act of God since creation the delivery of the Hebrew people out of the hand of bondage. But now there's the the celebration of the great act of God through the cross of Jesus, which sets us free from all sin and guilt. That's what we're to remember as we come to partake of these gifts. But Jesus didn't stop in the upper room. He went on, didn't he? He went on to the cross. He went on to Calvary. He kept going. He didn't park. Thank God he didn't. And how we need to go to the cross, to the foot of the cross. We need to follow him there and catch a glimpse of his fully given crucified body and hear him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're done, what they've done. He didn't stop. He didn't park. He went all the way to the cross for me and for you and for all of the sins of the world. Thank God for the gift of Jesus on the cross. And he says to us, though, you take up the cross. And follow me. You see, if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to go to the foot of the cross, but you're not going to park there because he wants you to keep going. He wants you to take the cross yourself. He wants you to come and die with him. Do you realize what a privilege that is to walk with Jesus even to the cross and die with him? Come and die with me. He says, don't park here. Come and die with me. My oldest brother was my hero. He was so wise, eight years older than I was. And uh, he was a lawyer. And uh, one time when I was pastoring up in Tennessee, I, uh, I had a member of the church that went around telling everybody that I was preaching communism and that they should leave the church. Because I was preaching communism. Now get this, he had never heard me preach before. But that didn't matter. He knew what I was preaching. It was communism. I, I, uh, first of all, I've never considered myself smart enough to preach about politics. 
So uh, I don't know where he came up with this idea, but I kept hearing it, and finally my humanness got the best of me, Nicky and Andy. And so I decided I was going to confront him. In fact, deck him in the name of Jesus, of course. <laughs> but God has a way of taking care of drunks and Methodist preachers, so when I went by his house, he wasn't there. So, so in my wisdom, I decided I would sue him. I said, you know, my brother is a lawyer. He can help me. I'm going to sue this guy. So I called my brother and said, uh, uh, I have a lawsuit I, wanna, I want you to take for me. Do you have some time? He said, come tomorrow. Come around 1130. And I said, okay. So I drove to Nashville and went to his office and Walked into his office. He was sitting behind the desk. And, and uh, he said, now, Mr. Short, tell me you have a lawsuit you want me to help you with. I said, yeah. And I told him the story, and I said, uh, this guy's telling everybody I'm a communist. I don't care about money. I just want him to shut up. And so I want to sue him for defamation of character. And my brother had the typical lawyer style. He put, put his hands on him. Self looked at me. He said, I don't know much about the Bible. I certainly don't know as much about the Bible as you do. But he said, nowhere in the Bible do I remember Jesus suing anybody. Of course, no one called him a communist. They just crucified him. <laughs> And then he said, that's the man you follow, isn't it? I said, yeah. Then he said, follow him. Follow him. Go to the cross with him. Die to yourself with him. Jesus says, come and follow me to each of us. It's not enough to follow him into the city. We have to follow him all the way to the cross. They crucified him. He was dead. He was buried. They parked his body in a barred grave. But that barred grave had a one-hour time limit on it. And he didn't stop. He didn't park there. But the stone was rolled away. And because he lives, we shall live also. If we don't park somewhere along the way. But go with him. Go with him through the garden. Go with him through the cross. We shall go with him through the grave. And that's the truth. Amen. Amen. And now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and favor, both now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.